Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back live from the beautiful, uh, well, this, we can't be downtown Sunny Slope. No, we're just the north side, of, well, the south side of the mountain that I grew up on. Anyway, beautiful day out here, folks. If you haven't been outside yet, uh, why not? Nice breeze, pretty clouds, great temperatures, couldn't be any nicer. Uh, do have two lines available, number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR here at the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Cynthia and Phoenix, good morning. Hi. Nice to hear your voice, and I really enjoyed your stories about the pumpkins. I didn't know all that. It's quite interesting to plant them, did you say, in February? Absolutely. You know, Phoenix was going to originally be called Pumpkinville. So before before we had white flies, you could grow pumpkins here like nowhere. (laughs) Uh Well, it's a real good story. I want to ask you, I have a very old olive tree, and I'm sort of concerned with it. Um, I had somebody come out to look at it if it needs to be removed because it's close to an area that it could break up the cement. Well, while they're out there looking, uh, one of the people that came out said that I had termites in the in the trunk and I was quite concerned because it's probably a 50 year old tree or more I'm wondering uh, I had somebody come out and look at it an exterminator and he said um, they thought he could he could take care of the tree by putting insecticide in the trunk of the tree pushing you know plummet it in or whatever they do and wait about three months to see if it will harm the tree. I want your in, your advice. They said it was dry termites. Uh, and well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, Cynthia, is that, um, uh-huh. you know, olive trees can live a thousand years. Okay. So yeah, that's right. they'll, they'll outlive us pretty easy. Okay. And, and termites are a native insect here and, and they'll feed on dead wood. And if there's dead wood parts, part of the olive tree or anywhere else, you know, they're going to feed on that. And, that. and that's pretty normal. Or you can see the mud trails because we've had a lot of rain just coming up the side of the trunk. And that's this getting out of the water. So oftentimes they'll use an olive tree or a palm tree or any kind of a tree to have a place to be able to exit, you know, out of the ground when it's wet. So that, that's pretty common. Common too, and if you want to kill the termites, you know, around your tree, termites, you know, usually have to have a place to come up out of the water and then go back into the soil. So you can just, you know, a, a, your your inspector, your guys can come out to do pest control and treat around there and kill the termites. Shouldn't be a problem for them. Now it doesn't need to be systemic in the tree because the tree is not going to be eaten by the termites. Okay, the tree, the, oh. the termites don't eat healthy wood, they eat dead wood. So they'll, they'll eat old bark or they'll eat dead wood and all kinds of, you know, any kind of dry wood they'll feed on. So mm-hmm. they're not, I wouldn't be overly concerned with them. If you wanted to get them removed though, that's fine. And you just need to treat the termites. And so that's pretty easy to do. And, uh, you know, the thing with olive trees is we just saw a couple of them blow over off of central and uh, it was, pr- I was kind of surprised that they did. But, you know, these trees were probably getting close to a hundred years old. And, mm. And, uh, and blew over, you know, predominantly because they had a real heavy big canopy and we had flood irrigation they probably had the day before and they mm-hmm. had 
60, 70 mile an hour winds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also the part of the problem was that they had lawn around there where they kept grass and they irrigated it very frequently. So the trees roots were compromised. Olive trees are a very drought tolerant tree, you know, and realistically a big mature olive like yours. If you, fer- if you water it, you know, once a month in the summertime, it'll stay healthy. And at the most you'd want to water it would be like once every two weeks and, and probably no more than that. Is, do you have lawn around your tree or rock? I have, uh, what I have is irrigation. I get it twice, twice flood, a month. Flood irrigation, huh? So if you have yeah, flood, flood irrigation, irrigation yeah. and I don't water in between. Okay. And during these time they've turned the water off, mm-hmm. I don't water it at all. That's fine. But my, my, yeah, thank you. I was going to say I have a little hedge that I put around the tree, trimming it like mm-hmm. a hedge. Right. Should I cut that all back? And in case there's any, I don't, they didn't mention termites down below. But uh, is that, do you think I should do that or or just think I should have them treat the trunk of the tree in upper part of the well, trunk if, if of you, the if tree? Well, you, if you want to spray the tree for termites, you know, and drench around the base of the tree, uh, you uh-huh. can do that and that'll kill the termites. Okay. Well, he said going in. Do I should I have him go in or no? Just there's play no, it? there's no reason to because they're not going to. They're you know they're going to go out and feed on something. There might be a dead piece of wood inside there where they might have uh-huh. most of the termites, and that could be you know true. But typically uh-huh. they're going to go outside in the ground and be oh. in, un, in under the earth because it's much cooler. Okay, so and they'll, they'll use the interior part of the tree to come up on, you know, and, and be in that part of the tree, too, especially when it's wet. Like when you have irrigation, they got to uh-huh. get out of the water. So they get up uh-huh. and come up and get out of the water. So uh-huh. that, that's why they're there. And it's it's a good environment for the termites. But the termites might not necessarily be harming anything at all. Oh, I thought he said it might kill the tree. No, they're not. Yeah. Gonna, they're not going to feed on the live wood. Oh, just the dead wood. Just and dead so wood. if I get something to spray, can I get something to spray for the termites or should I have him do it? Well, you could do it either way. You know, oh, the, the, really? you, you can treat the termites yourself. Oh, and so what would I get to treat the termites? Uh, a, pro- a product called Talstar, T-A-L-S-T-A-R, is one that's very common and available. Um, okay. But uh, if you live in central Phoenix, down on uh, central and just about... Uh, uh, Camelback. There's a company called Bug Mart. Bug Mart. Bug Mart. So Mart. There's, oh, yeah. Smart. Okay. No, no, Bug Mart. Like it's a market for killing bugs. Oh, Mart. Okay. Or, or market where <laughs> bugs live. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's a good company. And they've got okay. a they've got a knowledgeable staff, and you can stop by there. And they've got some different insecticides that they sell that you can mm-hmm. go buy that work very well on termites. Okay, so that's Bud Mart. No bug, like B U G. You know, we got the yeah. bugs, and then oh, it's the bug, market, bug, it's bug, the market bug, for bug control. But oh, they're, but they're good. Bug yeah, but Bug Mart's really good, you know, on handling those kind of things. And they uh-huh. can sell you the chemicals, explain to you how, how to use them. You know, you okay. always want to read the label. But if you want to treat them yourself, Cynthia, I don't think you'll have any problem. And you could okay. probably be as successful as anyone. Thank you. And uh, uh, how long, I mean, should I spray it? Should I cut the bottom part of the tree or just leave it? You don't have to. As long as you can get the spray in there. You know, okay. And you just want to. Anytime you're using any kind of chemical, be very careful. Read the instructions. But you know, the nice part about going to somebody like Bug Mart, they'll tell you exactly how to do it, and okay. uh, and they're very professional. I've got good, great faith in them. And where are they located? They're, well, they're, they have several locations around town. But if you're in Central Phoenix, the ones uh-huh. right off Camelback and Central. Camelback and where? Central Avenue. 
Central. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Cynthia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Huh? Bye-bye. Uh, Vinny and Surprise. Good morning, Vinny. Hey, Brian, I got a question. A fig tree. Mm-hmm. When could you trim it? Well, the best time to butcher a fig, and I'm, you know, literally talking butchering, Vinny, is to get them when they're dormant. So that's going to be in January. And uh, if you want to harvest a lot of figs, you want to keep your fig lower and wider. So that's the best time to prune it back. And while you're thinking about pruning it, at the same time, if you'd feed it a bag of cow manure, it'll work wonders. Yeah, and you know, another question I have about the fig tree, I only get growth on the very, very top of it. Well, if you cut the whole tree and all the wood back, okay, it, when it buds out in the spring, it's going to come out much lower. And, uh, you know, we have a huge big tree at our house because we have flood irrigation. It just got massive. And this winter, um, we're going to cut it down to about five feet, you know, from a 20-foot tree. And so the reason cuddle, why... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, but the reason why is just so you can harvest the fruit. Okay, so all my branches I can cut off, right? Right, just butcher it. Okay. Yeah, and then put cow manure in it. And, and then, then take, hopefully... take, take a bag of cow manure, work it around underneath it at the same time in January, okay? And uh, how, how do you water it? Is it in a big well, or how, how do you get it watered? No, I... It, it, I water it with a um, hose. Okay, but, hose. but do you have a well around the base of it to hold the water when you water? Yes. Okay, so just work that in that area where you water. Work that bag of cow manure in, and uh, come spring, okay. stand back. Okay, and and wait till January to to chop it yeah, up. January right? is the perfect time to to prune it and to feed it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Vinny. Have fun. Bye bye. Too. Bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Michael. But if you'd like to be up after Michael, you can give us a call here at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you. With silver hair, a ragged shirt, and baggy pants He would do the old soft shoe He could jump so high, jump so high And then he'd lightly touch down Met him in a cell in New Orleans. I was well. I was down and out. He looked to me to be the very eyes of age. As he spoke right out, talked of life. Lord, he talked of life <laughs> Laughed, slapped his leg a step He said his name was Bojangles Then he danced a lick 
the cell He grabbed his pants Took a better stance Jumped up high That's when he Clicked his heels Then he let go Shook back his clothes all around That was Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles Lord, he could dance Welcome back, folks, on this beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, that's got to be my favorite version, you know. Jerry Jeff Walker wrote it, but uh, Sammy Davis, he could really sing it. Anyway, beautiful morning out there. We've got two lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Uh, Michael in Sun City, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. I have some orange tree questions. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, my neighbor's got a dwarf orange tree I planted for her two years ago. The diameter on the trunk is probably uh, three inches, might be, might be three or four. And can I girdle that now? Because it's not producing any fruit. It is a navel, and it is a dwarf. So I told her, I said, well, you know, sometimes... It sounds awfully it, big, it, Michael, for a dwarf. I mean, to have a three-inch uh, caliber, well, what size tree was it when you planted it? Uh, uh, diameter? Uh-huh. Um, maybe one inch. Okay. That, I mean, that would be growing very rapidly for a, for a navel. It'd be a dwarf. But as far as your girdling question, you can girdle it. The best time to girdle it is going to be in January. And what I would okay. do is cut it halfway around. We used to have these girdling knives that uh, you know were cut made to do that and they had like a little loop on there and they would take out about mm-hmm. an eighth inch piece of uh, the cambium layer and the bark off okay. it down to the cambium and you can mm-hmm. try that and that reduces the sap flow and uh, you know it's it's an old technique that was used here um, you know I've never done it enough myself to know how successful it really was you know I grew up with a grandfather who was a chef and he was always messing with something you know he was never happy uh, until he would try different things and different styles and you know he had an un- canny just you know common knowledge of how to grow things and and that's one method that they would use to try and get more navels on so you can certainly try that it's not going to do any harm to the tree at all and uh, the time the time of year to do it's going to be you know when it's dead dormant like in january mm-hmm. so you're you're just taking that outside bark off yeah just just cutting cutting the bark yeah. off down you know through the cambium yeah. layer halfway around the tree no more than half and uh it reduces the sap flow to the tree and the time to do it would be in january just before it blooms okay then my big orange tree in my yard um i really want to cut it back this year mm-hmm. when is the um, our fruit we usually can get most of our fruit off by march Okay. Um, would I be able to do a major cut in March? Well, the problem with cutting, you know, citrus back in March is that um, you're going to expose a lot of wood to the sun. 
Okay, growth time, you're hitting right in the growth cycle. So, you know, if you take it, let's, let's make it, say, the 1st of March, okay? And then if you're going to mm-hmm. expose a lot of wood to the sun, if you're going to take it back so far, you're going to expose a lot of wood, it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and, and coat it with some, like, tree trunk white, you know? And uh, there, there's even some other sprays that you can get you could spray on that would be just a temporary white, Um that you would just spray on with like a hose in sprayer and it would take the sun off the, the wood until the chance the tree has a chance to rebud. But, you know, I would, I would say if you time that and you just made your timing the first of March and harvested your fruit there ahead of that, you probably wouldn't have much risk of any damage at all. Okay. And I heard you talk about the holiday schedule for fertilizing. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it okay to go a little overboard on the potassium and potash? Well, it's not going to give you as much advantage, and it just depends on what your soil needs. You know, to balance out your minerals, the one thing that seems to help keep everything in balance is more iron. And that's why if you buy, like, the organic, you know, pro-citrus food, you'll find that the iron on that's chelated iron, and it's, you know, it's going to be more available. Uh, But iron is the one that kind of is the controlling, balancing thing. And aside from that, it's nitrogen and phosphorus are the most important ingredients. Okay. Okay, great. Thank, Thank you, you sir. very much. Love your show. Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Claude and Surprise. Good morning, Claude. Good morning. How are you doing there? Great. I've got two I've got two big palm trees in front of my house. I bought the house 17 years ago. Well, they've gotten tremendously big. They get a haircut every June. I have it all cleaned up. What is the life on those palm trees, or how long can you keep them getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, well over 100 years on most of them, Claude. You know, there's... Um, there's plenty of palm trees in, in the valley now that are 100 years old. And, uh, yeah, I just, when I fertilize my, uh, all my plants in the spring, I just fertilize with miracle growth, and that's about all I do. And I trim them every year in June. And they're doing real well. I just want to know how long we can keep them up there in the front. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, Claude, they probably, if they're Mexican or California fans, they probably you will pick up enough water with your irrigation system on your other plants. So you don't nearly need to water them. You don't need to fertilize them. And uh, there's one at our nursery at Glendale Avenue, which was always the tall palm tree in the back. And, uh, you know, it seemingly was 50 feet tall, you know, whenever I was a kid. And that's a long time ago. But um, so I would I would imagine that that tree is at 100 years old already. And when the guys were up, we have we haven't trimmed the tree for 30 years, but I had some friends over trimming and they had a basket truck that reached up 65 feet. And then the guy decided to trim it. So he put the basket up against the trunk of the tree, put his spikes on and climbed to the top and trimmed it. And it was about 85 feet tall. And uh, that tree, I'm sure, is well over 100. And there's a lot of trees here in the valley that are well over 100 years old. And the fat ones, especially the California fan palms, I don't know how long they'll live, but they're going to, you know, I don't know that there's any in town, you know, that are approaching 100 years old that aren't going to outlast me. Thank you, Claude. Have a nice weekend. Bye bye. Uh, Julie in Queen Creek. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Um, I have some. I have some garden boxes and an issue with nut grass. We. Um, it's just a twelve-inch garden box, mm-hmm. and I tried putting down some cardboard and then. Um, a weed barrier, and then within a week, the nut grass is going through it. So it's nut grass. Uh, I know. I hate the stuff. Anyway, um, what suggestions do you have? My husband is wanting to put some cement at the bottom of the garden box. I'm not sure that that's a, a great idea or not. Well, I'd get um, a short fence I, about three foot tall. 
okay, and put all around your garden box. And then I go down and get a hog and fence him in that little area <laughs> and irrigate it really well and don't feed him. And he'll root out those nuts and eat all those nuts and clean the whole thing up for you. In the meantime, he'll be fertilizing it for you, building up your soil, too. Any other suggestions? <laughs> the, the best thing to do, Julie, right now is if you have the nutgrass coming out and actively growing where it's got some size to it, would be to spray mm-hmm. it with a product called Sedgehammer. Okay, and sedgehammer is a contact herbicide that goes through the nutgrass systemically down into the nut and kills it, and it works very well. But to kill it, you have to have the nutgrass actively growing and enough foliage on top to spray. This is the very best time of year to kill it. It works the best this time of year. It may take you a couple applications, so it might not kill it all this year. You might have to come back and spray it again, like in May, and then again next fall. But the chemicals do work fairly well on it. Um, traditional things like glyphosate don't work. There's also a Monterey disease control, uh, set, you know, product for nutgrass that that works pretty well. But uh, so I'm familiar with the sedgehammer because we use it in our front yard. I mean, we have nutgrass everywhere out here, and we move? use it in our front yard. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I'm I'm nervous about using that in my garden. I know there's like you know it, it advises against using it near anything that right. And so what you, what you would be so. doing with the garden then, basically, Julie, is you would forego this this planting season for that garden. So if mm-hmm. you if you were going to use that, what I would do is use it and not plant. You know, until the late in the spring, I'd, I'd probably go ninety days with no planting. Okay. You know, that or you might, what you might really try and do is do a raised garden. You know, you can build a garden box up off the ground, you know, so you don't have to worry about the nut grass. It it is. It is 12 inches, but. um, But it doesn't have, does it have legs on it? No, it's just, you know, one of those Costco. Yeah, we're sitting right on, sitting right on, yeah, sitting right on the ground. Um, Yeah. So, so here's what you could do. You know, those little swimming pools that kids have. You know, the little uh-huh. plastic ones, that, you know, like four foot in diameter or whatever. You could plant oh, your yeah. garden in one of those and it's going to have a plastic bottom on it and just poke some holes to the outside edge of it so it'll drain. So go around the outside mm-hmm. perimeter and poke holes and they got to be all the way to the bottom so it'll drain out around the outside edge of it. Okay. And then if you would take and put that plastic pool on top of the nutgrass, it'll, it'll kill it. You leave that pool in there for a year or two, the nutgrass will die. Okay, it won't come back once you start watering again. Well, no, as long as it's underneath there and it's basically going to be shut off to the world, you know, and it'll take it a year or two to die, but you could garden in a plastic pool like that. Or you know what else makes a really cool garden like that? Tuzla horse trough. So if you go to the feed oh, yeah, store, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. really cool metal horse troughs, and they make fantastic gardens. And if you want to prevent Even- it from ever- having a problem, just put them up on blocks. Just put some bricks under them and raise that plastic uh-huh. garden off the ground. That grass won't come through. Okay. Um, any issues with the horse troughs in the summertime with too much heat? No, like because, you know, most, like the soil if, getting if, you get, too hot? if you get one that's at least a foot tall, no. You know, and if you fill it full of, you know, dirt mixed into your potting soil so it's going to retain more moisture and just, you know, mm-hmm. drill holes around the outside perimeter so it'll drain, you won't have any problem. All right. I think Thank the hog so would be much more fun. I'd recommend that to your husband. <laughs> you know, is he listening to us, Julie? No, he's oh, not. Perfect. So go out and start putting up the fence and tell him what you're doing. <laughs> Love it. Sounds like a great idea. Thank have, you. Have a nice weekend, Julie. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. 
Oh, it looks like we're, we're, we're rolling into news time. Troy's back in the newsroom, so we're going to have to take a news break. While we're gone, though, the lines are wide open. We have Shira back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. She would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone. While the sun is bright or in the darkest night, no one knows. And go. If you haven't been out yet, it's gorgeous, and uh, we have a phenomenal forecast coming up. Weather in the seventies here, and it's uh, you know pretty nice to have seventies and fifties. It'll be kind of fun. Anyway, we got three open lines. Now is the perfect time to call. We can talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. If you've got suggestions, a different way to kill nutgrass, we'd love to hear from you. Number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday on ninety two point three FM KTAR. Ruth and Mesa, good morning. Good morning, Brian. We are winter visitors, and we just got here in October, and our bushes and trees are just flourishing. They grew so much over the summer that we were gone. And I was just wondering, when is a good time to start trimming those back? Well, Ruth, there's some different things you might want to consider when, when pruning here this time of year. So if you have plants like bougainvillea, for example, which just, you know, are going to yeah. go into this beautiful fall bloom season, if you cut them back hard right now, you're going to destroy the winter bloom cycle. Um, it would okay. be ideal if you could have somebody prune those for you in August when you're not here. And uh, then right. you would come back to plants that are, you know, in scope and, and blooming. But um, so if you want to prune them moderately right now, you can do that. But the thing is, they're only going to grow for about another four or five weeks. And then, then after that, the bloom bracts on those bougainvillea will continue to flourish until we have a freeze or until, you know, pretty much the end of uh, January. So if you want to keep that okay. color, don't cut them too hard. Kind of the same for the lantanas. You can cut them back sun. They're going to grow for another three or four weeks. But if you butcher them real hard, then you're going to lose that, that bloom cycle while you're here. Um, right, right. The time to do the hard pruning um realistically for you when, when do you leave like in may right okay so if you leave in may when you leave in may cut everything down just butcher it hard 
you know, and, okay. and to work because you don't care what it looks like when you're not here. And all these desert plants <laughs> are going to come back and grow like crazy anyway. And then if you uh, if you made a trip down here in August and had somebody come trimmer, it came down and took one miserable week. But, you know, some people go to the spa and the sauna and stuff. You could just come here in August and be just like out working in the spa. And, uh, and that's come, not going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, just come for a day or two, Ruth. You know, I mean, people go to these spas. They pay to exercise. You know, you could just come down and prune for a day or two. But realistically, if you want to have just beautiful, you know, plants all winter, you need somebody to come, you know, prune for you. And you need to line that up for about the middle of August. Okay. Okay, but for that, for now, what I would do is moderate pruning, you know, keeping in mind that we want to get the color out. And then when you leave, just butcher them, okay? And oh, whoever right. you have butcher them, if you got somebody you trust, uh, line them up to come prune in August. All right. Thank you, Ruth. That sounds good. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Jack and Sun Lakes. Good morning, Jack. Hey, Brian. Uh, I got two two questions, one on tomatoes, one on grapefruit tree. Uh, let's take the tomatoes. I've, I've been growing tomatoes for 50 years, and I guess I've had dumb luck because I've done really well. But And then I moved to Sun Lakes, and, uh, of course, I have my tomato patch in the worst place you could possibly put it. But I have no choice. Anyhow, I've done pretty well, but this year when I pulled the tomatoes out, they didn't do well. Uh, there was no root ball to them, hardly at all. So my question is, what can I do now? I'm going to turn the garden over to get it ready for, uh, and then I'll turn it over again in February. What can I do now to improve the soil? Is Jack, is this a raised garden or a flat garden, or how do you, how do you? No, garden? it's a it's a raised raised garden with fake dirt. Okay, so <laughs> if you had some real dirt with your fake dirt, that's going to make it a lot better. Okay, so if you can turn it over deep enough so you can get some of the soil blended there and have your garden yeah. be at least 50% native soil, you know, blended with your organic, that's going to be better. And if you want to kind of do a pre-plant, you know, you could use uh, what would be really good to be chicken manure because it's high yeah. in calcium, which is really good for the tomatoes along with the phosphorus and nitrogen, and turn the chicken manure into that bed right now and turn it all in. And uh, if so you're I'd a break- make a trip up to your... I have to make a trip up to your nursery because nobody handles it. Well, we carried it. Well, they should. I mean, you can't believe our citrus this year. We we changed our program. I was doing dry chicken manure before this regular poultry waste, and we changed to a liquid program this year at our citrus grove. And I really doused it. I I put a lot of money into chicken manure, but uh, our citrus groves right now look the best they ever have. And I think a lot of that's to do with the August weather combined with the chicken manure. But you know, for your tomatoes, it'll do the same thing. It's a great way to build up the soil because, especially for tomatoes, you need the extra calcium and it's super high in calcium you have a liquid chicken manure well we don't um we don't really have the liquid available now you know maybe again one of these days we'll have it you know packaged in retail size you know you don't want 350 gallons of liquid chicken manure i don't think jack (laughs) with a chicken manure comes in what size bag well it comes in bags or it comes you can either buy it but most of it we sell now it's pelletized in fact, in, even in the commercial you know basis, they use an awful lot of it pelletized. So it comes in like cans. That's I, I don't know what they're five pounds maybe or ten pounds. Okay. No, they're more than five. They're probably fifteen or twenty pounds, and they're in a plastic pail. That way, you don't get the odor anywhere. But it uh, it's pelletized, and when you when you process chicken manure, you know your nitrogen's down to about three percent. So it's not as hot as if you had your own chicken, but it still works really well. And if you happen to have a neighbor with a chicken and you get it fresh out of the coop, you can get a lot higher percentage of nitrogen. No, I don't. No, no. 
<laughs> don't have this. All right. Uh, when I moved in here, I had a, 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 a tree out here with, a, oh, my God, uh, grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And I, when I moved in here, they weren't getting any yield at all. So I put a dedicated line in for watering and fertilize it. I got so many grapefruit, I can't believe the tree's standing. And it, it's getting too big, big. It's between two buildings. And I want to, you know, kind of reduce it and cut it down. One the best time to trim it and you know get it to a well if you do a major major pruning jack so that we're gonna you know really reduce the size of the tree and take off enough foliage where it's not going to have protection the best time to do it's the end of february okay Okay, okay. And, and you can cut it way back that time of year, and it'll pop back out. But you want to cut it way back so it has time to foliate in the spring and protect itself. Well, yeah, that would be after I pick the grapefruit? Well, the problem with grapefruit is, you know, when you, when you have a grapefruit on a tree, so if, if, say, a ruby red grapefruit's a good example, you know, they flower in February, March, and the grapefruit's its best, you know, basically it you know past the next season so i mean really the grapefruits is best in march april may you know and it hangs all summer you can still pick grapefruit on it for last year so you know grapefruit can last on the tree a long time but you have too many fruit anyway so i wouldn't be overly concerned oh i'm loaded i gotta give it away i blew in a green green belt i just put it out there for the walkers well you know you can certainly harvest all that grapefruit in uh you know it's not going to hurt to harvest in February. It won't be its best, but, you know, it's still grapefruit. Yeah. Okie doke. Thanks, Jack. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right. Bye. Uh, let's see. Jason over in Queen Creek. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking the call. A um, couple of questions on plumeria. I have a plumeria, one of the plants I bought in uh, Arizona here at Home Depot, and it it did really well over the summer. It actually got some flowers, and it uh, seems to be kind of branching off as well. Mm-hmm. And then I had another one uh, I brought back from Hawaii that, uh, you know, it took took a little bit, but it, it is also doing very well and uh, started to flower now. I'm um, just wondering, as we get into the fall weather, what should I be doing with these? Well, you're going to back way, off, way off of the water, Jason. They don't need a lot of water. But most plumerias are going to go dormant and lose all their foliage. And that's okay. about the point where they need protection from the cold weather. So as long as they've got foliage on them and it's not mid-December, just enjoy them the way they are and don't water them too often. And it depends okay. on what our temperature stays like, how well they'll perform till then. But somewhere in there, it's going to cool off. They're going to lose their leaves. And if you got them in a container, it's best to put them on under a patio, especially if you're out in Queen Creek so they don't freeze, or put them in a garage. I mean, they, okay. they go pretty dormant for the wintertime. You know, they're basically in hibernation, so they don't need much of attention that time of year at all. You know, very little okay. water. You might water them once every three or four weeks. But um, you want to put them in an area where they're going to have frost protection. Perfect. And then what about any kind of uh, nutrients or fertilizer or anything? Do I have to worry about any of that? Or Probably not now. I mean, you're the end of the season. If you want to fertilize them one last time, I would use something like miracle Grow or Super Bloom, something that's high in phosphorus, and uh, put it on right away. Because as, the, as this weather changes, you know, we're going to be in the 70s. You know, plumeria is really like 80s, 90s. You know, plumerias actually do fine here in full sun and 110 degrees. They're amazing plants as far as taking our heat. But... The wintertime, you just have to protect them from the frost. And just remember, they're not very active, so they don't need very much. That's not very much fertilizer, not very much water. Okay, and I don't have to worry about when the leaves all drop off or any of that. No, when the leaves all fall off, it's the time to just put them in storage, you know, basically put them on a patio back in a corner somewhere and forget about them. Okay. 
All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have four lines open. We're going to come back with about 10 minutes left. So if you've got an idea, question, suggestion, or if you want to get your questions answered today, or if you want to tell us how to grow something today or just talk, give us a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTAR. might be a little bit easier. You know, bigger boats sometimes are hard to find. Anyway, have a great day with that. Uh, I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfields. At Whitfields, we grow trees, all kinds, all sizes. If you're looking for citrus trees, palm trees, ash trees, elm trees, all kinds of beautiful magnolias right now. Whatever your dream is for that perfect garden, whether it be a big ironwood tree and a, a Sonoran Desert, you know, design. Uh, if you want a mesquite tree that's great, we have American mesquite, which are a four-way hybrid and don't break in the windstorms. We have a beautiful Swan Hill olives that are drought tolerant, evergreen, really a hardy, great tree. Or we've got all different kinds of citrus. We are the Arizona's largest grower of palm trees for, for sale. We've got date palms, Mexican fans, mule palms. We have beautiful sylvesters, lots of different palms. If you need palms, if you need any kind of landscaping, come out and see us. We deliver plant guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. We started with my grandparents in the 40s, continue on today for, for four generations, hopefully one of these days, five. And uh, we're having an awful lot of fun growing plants here. Our original stores at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. And I would be a little remiss if I didn't remind you that this is geranium season, and we just hauled all of our geraniums in from the mountains because, you know what, it's going to maybe snow up in Taylor this weekend. And uh, it was time for them to come down the hill. We've also got some fun pumpkins, you know, kind of a smaller crop of some different ones that were growing around the farm we wrangled in. We'll have in all the nurseries this week as well. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona 
Arizona's future. Next up, we've got Annie in Phoenix. Good morning, Annie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have two questions. Number one, I have a magnolia tree that my daughter sent me via mail. She lives in New York but ordered it online. Mm-hmm. And I have it in a pot right now, a pretty big pot. Okay. Will it? Do you think it will survive in a pot? I know. Well, you know, it depends a lot, Annie, on what variety of magnolia it is. There's a lot of varieties. Um, D.D. Blanchard is one that does very well here. Uh, does it have two-tone colored leaves or a single tone? It has um, a single color, the green on the back, too. Okay, so, you know, it's probably just a, a non-grafted one, and there are plenty of those okay. growing here in town. It's going to grow very slowly here in a container and fairly slowly in the ground as well. And if you decide to plant it out in the ground, you'd want to put it probably where it has shade in the afternoon from another tree or a house or, or something so that it's only getting morning sun. Um, some of the other yeah, varieties would, would be t- tougher, but, the you know, the, the common grandifloras would really want to have, you know, a little afternoon shade. Okay, that's on my little bitty tree. Now I have a, I love this tree, but my neighbor's right. I have a eucalyptus Mm -hmm. that is twice as tall as the um, telephone pole. I don't even know how tall that is. It's huge. And it's just a hot mess on my porch in my yard. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love the eucalyptus and use it in full designing and such, um, he's like, I'll pay half if we cut it down. <laughs> and I'm about ready to take him up. Well, Annie, instead of cutting it down, I mean, that, that's certainly an option. And if it's too big and you don't want to have it there, uh, that's an option. But, you know, we have monster eucalyptus at our home, and um, we didn't plant them. And I, I would guess that our eucalyptus um, are probably 70 years old, at least at least 50 or 60, but maybe 70. And, you know, they're massive. Uh-huh. The trunks are five or six feet in diameter, but they also shade yeah. the west side of our house. So what we do is we have a professional tree trimmer come out and trim them and he usually trims them every other year and we thin them out and shape them so that way we don't have any big wood or anything that's going to break in a storm that we have to worry about and uh, I personally really enjoy eucalyptus. I mean, they can be very drought tolerant. They can provide a lot of shade. They smell fantastic and uh, so, you know, if you love it, keep it. If not, and it's going to cost money to maintain it and this isn't something that's just going to be a one-time maintenance deal. It's going to be something that you're going to live with so you know that decision's up to you Okay. And um, where would I find a good person to do that that's bonded and insured? Well, there's a lot of them. First thing, they have to be licensed, bonded, and insured. And secondarily, when you're going to have one work on your tree, if it's your pet tree like my trees are, um, and if Uh I'm not going to climb them myself, which I don't do anymore, uh, I would go out and (laughs) I would interview them and go look at their work. And I would get three or four, you know, references on people that they've trimmed trees that are very similar. I would take the time to go look at the trees. You know, and, and ask their customers how happy they are. Because I would trust an arborist, you know, far more for his referral ability and for some customer that tells you, yes, this man's been working on my tree for the last 20 years and look at it, it's beautiful. That's the person I would trust. I wouldn't care about any of their marketing. I wouldn't care about, you know, if they say are a certified arborist or not. None of those things are going to make near as much difference as a true professional that has good referrals. 
Right. Well, that's why I bought the house because of the tree. Well, if you and, bought the house because um, of the tree, I, cer- I certainly wouldn't take the tree out. And, and I, I can I can give you some recommendations, but I don't do them on the air because I have a lot of friends in the business, and I want to be gotcha. fair to everyone. But um, yes, I mean you know there's definitely professionals that are very good at taking care of trees, and if you have a favorite tree and it gets really big, you know you just have to be prepared to spend the money. But you know if it was that important to you, you definitely want to just take care of it and nurture it. Okay, well, thank you. And is it too late to uh, to overseed? For no, you can, you can overseed any time, but why do you want to? Uh, because I love green grass. Well, that's the absolute best answer. And plant <laughs> it right now. It'll come up just fine. It's going to germinate slower because our weather's cooling down. But there is no problem at all planting ryegrass today. Oops. Bye, Annie. Uh, Tom and AJ. Good morning, Thomas. Tom. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I called you in March about fighting with pack rats with citrus. Mm -hmm. I live at the base of Superstition Mountains, and you told me to put soap bars of soap hanging in the tree, like uh, Irish Spring or something Mm -hmm. like that. And that worked. That worked for the for the blooms. Now everything's in full fruit. Mm-hmm. Starting to turn. How do I keep the pack rats from eating the end result? Pellet gun. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, you're, you're asking a lot. So you know, it's like you're, you're sitting at the bar with beer all over the bar, telling everybody they can't drink. You know, right? So <laughs> you, you put lime. Like my parents used to put lime on their. Hey, hold, hold on, Tom. I'll give you some more information off the air because we're out of time, okay? And Peter and Queen Creek, I'll take you as well. Folks, I appreciate all the calls today. Remember that America's strong, just like every good football team, every good baseball team, or, you know, these, these guys out there playing basketball. It takes a point guard. You know, it takes a big center. You know, you got to play different positions. And we only play different divisions by having different talents. And America is the most special country in the world because of our varied talents. Let's remember that. Let's cherish our diversity and work together as a team. We'll be back with you next Saturday. No, next Sunday. What's Saturday? I'm somewhere else. Next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here on 92.3 FM KTAR.